This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Put a man Johnny friend with a Pussy Magnet. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. <laughs> Ah, uh, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up a couch. It's the Lady Lounge. Ah, shit. Far out, woman. What's got Sandy in your clam now? Sandy in my clam! Hello, my labial love bumps. Welcome back to another round of Sand in My Clam this week in the Labia Lounge. Today, I've got Neve and Hannah joining me for a chat. Welcome, darlings. Hi. Hey. So I've got a really important question to ask you real quick. Have you noticed the way the light is dancing off this massive vein in the middle of my forehead? <laughs> I look so tough. <laughs> I did not notice, but it looks epic. <laughs> oh my god, it's insane in this lighting. Anyway, so <laughs> back on track. Um, today we're going to have a yarn about something that, in particular, gives Neve a sandy clam, but that I've um, quite only pretty recently started thinking about and understanding more about and doing a bit of research on and it's in the realm of asexuality and aromanticism which is a topic that I'm going to cover on just a regular episode as well in more depth soon um but today yeah Hannah I actually this is the first time I've ever spoken to Neve but Hannah's told me so much about them and uh Neve which I'll let you explain and talk a bit about yourself but to give people a little bit of background Neve is asexual so there's a few things that I want to just like pick their brains about. Um, and so what I thought was maybe I will launch off by just throwing a bit of word salad out there, describing some things that I've become aware of through conversations that I've been having lately, um, through listening to other podcasts about this. And then I will just hand it over to my incredibly intelligent guests to delve deeper into because I personally only have very limited understanding and zero personal experience around this myself, um, hence why I've got you guys on. So similarly to a lot of Sandy Clam topics, this one is based around assumptions and misinformation about a certain topic and it has come to my attention that often when people discover that someone is asexual, they automatically feel 
sorry for them because in their eyes they're like missing out um, and not getting to enjoy this this thing that they feel is essential to a happy full life, you know. Um, they might commonly pity you for not knowing what you're missing out on or like assume that they know best and like actually perhaps – you know, you're not even asexual, you just haven't met the right person or maybe you'll change your mind or maybe it's a phase or maybe you're just too traumatized. Um, and lastly, another thing that I've heard of is this reaction um, that's especially, at least by the sounds of it, and please correct me, like I said, word salad coming at you, um, especially prevalent when it comes to those in attractive female bodies where someone will kind of look at you like, oh, you're asexual, what a waste to look like that and like, you know, and have functioning genitals, but not want to fuck me. Like <laughs> your attractiveness or your fertility is this commodity for others to consume and you're being selfish, keeping that all to yourself and wasting this sexual vessel of yours by not letting anyone enjoy it or consume it. Mm. So that is a lot off the bat um, and I know there are quite a few things in there to address, probably loads more that I'm not aware of that I didn't cover. But would you mind unpacking some of that and adding your own you know, experiences to the discussion because I find it really fascinating but it's totally unknown territory for me. Um, so, yeah, take it away. <laughs> Does any of that resonate? Yeah, I couldn't. So I was like listening to you speak and I was like, oh, I'm really trying not to roll my eyes every three seconds here. <laughs> it's just like, yes, this is so ridiculous that like the assumptions that people make. And I also, one thing that I find is like society and everyone around us kind of build up sex to be like the most human experience possible and it's mm. such a waste mm. if you don't get to experience that but like there's a lot of people having really bad sex all the time and that is not <laughs> the top of human experience oh my god yes Great. so yeah and it's just I don't know there's so much power put upon people's sexuality and it's I know it's a huge power place for a lot of people like I know women who like really feel so powerful once they unlock their sense of sexuality and it's it can be a real power move to get to know yourself in that way but I've found it's been a real power move to say you know this is something that I don't relate to mm. this is like a, a very specific set of emotions that are not easily unlocked within me I'm not looking at someone thinking, oh, they're hot. I really want to fuck them for any reason. <laughs> and it's just kind of one of those things where because I don't have that lens to view the world, I am seeing the world totally differently. And it's really cool to get to experience the world in a way that is a little bit unique. And I think mm. that's what a lot of people don't see when they hear about mm. asexuality at first. They just think, oh, my sexuality is really important to me. I cannot imagine my life without the ability to enjoy and have sex, which for anyone who is sexual, it's very, very important to them. And I think what most people struggle with is the idea that they could have as fulfilling a life without that drive and desire. Mm. And I'm just kind of here entirely living my life to its fullest without that. Mm. 
That's really beautifully put, Neve. Thank you. I... <laughs> <laughs> have I yeah, answered it's... the question that you have I answered? Or oh, maybe yeah, I mean, there wasn't really there wasn't even a question. It was more just like, here are some things that I feel like maybe you contend with regularly and mm. it probably pisses you off. Um and also I suppose it's um it's 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 stuff that I've been hearing because I've started delving into this, but it's also when I when you know, so for instance when um when I was hearing maybe even Hannah was talking about, yeah, this um uh automatic pity that mm. people who do, you know, really value their sexuality and their sex life will, will feel um, as though you're missing out. And I was like, oh, I reckon I know exactly what that, like I I used to feel a bit like that around uh, when someone decided not to have children. Mm. And, and I would, you know, mm. and, I, and that's another thing I want to cover on the, t- ah. on, on the podcast soon deciding to you know not have children and knowing that that doesn't necessarily make your life any less enriching or fulfilling but I used to have the same reaction as a lot of you know child-free by choice people um hate which is like oh shit but like won't you regret that or aren't you you know that seems to be like you know this the epitome of the human experience and this huge adventure and like personally I have always wanted to have kids and known that I wanted to be a mum so in my mind I see it as this like ultimate adventure of like human experience however like over the years you know speaking to lots of different people about this like I've kind of opened my mind to the fact that like that's a bit misguided there are so many ways to have a fulfilling and enriching life and enjoy the human experience and um, and I'm realizing that that kind of automatic, like, oh, that's so sad. You don't have children or like, oh, that's so sad. You don't have sex or you don't have a romantic relationship. What do you do with your life? What do you do when, like, don't you get lonely? Don't you feel, you know, like you're not as full of a human because you don't have another half to completely, well, to complete you or validate you? Like all of these assumptions, mm. um, I probably used to have as well, you know, when I didn't understand as much so that's why I think it's important to talk about this and hear the other side of it which is like the lens that you know you look at the the world through is completely unrelatable to those of us who like of course we don't we don't um see things the same way or understand but I kind of I fucking I think like god imagine not having your heart broken all the time and not having to like fuck with the awful state of the dating world these days and not having to have crap sex and have your fucking you know your sexual boundaries crossed and like actually the whole world of sex it is totally my you know my bread and butter these days I've made it my career but that's that's because I used to have the most horrific relationship with it and for years I thought I was asexual because I was like well I just never want to have sex I never I don't that's not an important part of my life I don't feel like that adds anything I'd rather avoid it personally like I wasn't actually asexual um but I totally relate to you know the idea that you can have a completely amazing life without needing to have sex or needing to have romance in it mm. um 
you know, like it's actually a massive complication (laughs) and it's a lot to navigate. So, you know, (laughs) in some ways you're dodging a bullet. (laughs) I just want to pick up on something that you said there, Freya, which reminds me of a conversation that Neve and I had maybe like yesterday or maybe the day before. I don't know. We've been talking on the phone a lot, Um, but it was saying uh, you said something like, oh, don't you always get lonely or, uh, you know, something like that. And it reminded me of a conversation that you and I had, Neve, where you were saying that you were telling someone that you were asexual, aromantic, and they said, oh, well, that's so weird because you're such a romantic person. Um, So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like maybe the perception is if you hear, you know, someone's asexual, aromantic, you think of those really broad, like, category feelings like love, intimacy, and romance, and you go, okay, well, you just don't experience those. But from my experience with Neve, Neve and I actually have like a super romantic friendship. Like we share intimate mm. secrets. We like tell each other that we love each other. We love to like hug. And so I feel like there are actually these still fundamental human experiences that you're getting, just not in like the traditional sense. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that that is, you know, something that's really at the core of it that people might not understand. Yeah, absolutely. That is such a thing that I I find a lot of people aren't aware of their own relationships and the complexities within them. Um, like a lot of people seem to think I've fallen in love with this person. Like I've, I'm feeling all the warm fuzzies and feel like they are my romantic sexual partner. They are the, the love of my life for however long that part of their life lasts for. Um, and I think a lot of us actually have a lot of hidden romance in our lives. Mm. Like if you view romance as something other than your, like your romantic partner, like romance is when your friend shows up when you're sick with a bowl of soup, like romance Mm. is the, you find something that someone will absolutely love and you send it to them as a gift. Like Mm. romance is all of those really cute, sweet moments that you can have with absolutely anyone. Like I think Mm. if most people sat down and really reflected on their lives, their most romantic moments would probably be with friends, with siblings, maybe with a parent. Mm. Like if you view romance through the lens of the thing that like really makes your heart feel warm, Mm. it opens that up to so much more than just like your typical romantic dinner and walks along the beach at sunset romance that is very storybook Mm. yeah and it's so tricky because I feel like romance is like so many people have different definitions and it's tricky to define but we usually conflate romance with like well basically it's it's being really thoughtful right but yeah it seems Mm. to be like people think that that can only be exclusively in a sexual like setting and it's kind of like you know intimacy isn't necessarily sexual intimacy can be beautiful between platonic connections and I think it's a similar deal with romance like people assume that it's just sexual partnerships that you know but all it is is like you were saying Neve like it's just something really thoughtful that makes you feel special um and that's kind of designed to make you feel like someone's thought of you and they've put effort in and they're and they're creating an experience for you and and I think it's like so I mean this must get get your clam sandy all the time like the way people see romantic love or you know sexual love I should say 
as like the deepest connection one can have and then (laughs) they kind of discard the importance and the depth and the nourishment that can be enjoyed through platonic and other forms of relating and connection like you know Mm. and and I actually think Mm. people seem to neglect those other forms of connection and intimacy in their lives once they find a sexual partner which is super detrimental Yeah, absolutely. I'm so for like stopping the gatekeeping on romance and intimacy. Once you like, once you found that special someone, that doesn't make everyone else that was in your life less special. Like you can absolutely have hundreds if, if you have the capacity (laughs) for hundreds, maybe not all at the same time, but, (laughs) but you can have like every single relationship you have with another person can be really really special if you remove the expectation that you have to put your romantic or sexual partnership at the top like once you remove the hierarchy of putting a sexual relationship at the very very top it just opens you up to have so many more Mm. like cool creative dynamic types of relationship Mm. and Mm. yeah it, it totally gets me annoyed when I see people kind of throwing away fantastic friendships like part like connections with siblings or family just because they found a partner when I think like we're all human beings we're all really really cool people like every single person on the planet can be really really cool if you give them a chance (laughs) (laughs) and I think we should be giving each other chances yeah (laughs) yeah You know, this totally reminds me, Neva, of like something you said to me a long time ago when you were first telling me about, you know, being asexual, aromantic. And I was saying to you, wow, like you're so great to talk to. We can have these great discussions and these great chats and we have such a great friendship. And you said that because you were asexual, aromantic, you found that you actually had a lot of those relationships in your life. Like many of the relationships you have are at that level. Whereas I feel like you know, the standard sort of story is you have your romantic partner, maybe you've got your best friend, and that's kind of it. Whereas someone like you, you were saying to me that like, you're actually used to like having those sort of like intimate connections. And I thought that was like super beautiful and special. And maybe people need to actually be taking a lesson from you rather than going like, oh, you're missing out. People need to be like, oh, maybe I'm missing out. Like maybe I'm closing myself off to like, you know, how all these other relationships could um, sort of be. And like something that that makes me think of is the fact that often um, people might shut down a connection when it's heading into this sort of more intimate or vulnerable territory because they're afraid that it'll then, because it's like, ah, and I've always had lots of friends of all different genders. It's not, it's not really a thing in my world, but I find like, um, especially like when I moved to, I grew up in a small country town and it was a bit like this. And, and I moved to a small country town kind of recently. And, and there was this whole like division with the genders. And it was like, if you, if you were a, a female, you kind of can't have male friends because if you're seen at a coffee shop, like I had a friend who, who had, um a boyfriend and she like she didn't want to go on like a lunch date with her housemate who was a male because she was like oh like people in the town will talk or people will assume it's something more and then like an extension of that is like often when people are having these amazing conversations and great connection if they you know are sexually inclined they might 
kind of hit this point where they're like, oh shit, like, is this going somewhere? Is this, this is the natural um, sort of trajectory of like things, right? Like if we're having really good connection, we're having great chats, we're getting along, we like spending time with each other, we're feeling really good in one another's presence. Surely the next obvious step is like, it's going to go somewhere further and often people like try to protect themselves from that or shield themselves from you know anything escalating because they don't know how to kind of just have a platonic fucking relationship and be like yeah cool like all of that is true we're having amazing chats and connection however I don't want to fuck you so like can we just keep it in this territory and so many people get really like offended or so I feel like maybe like what do you what do you come up against there Neve? like do you feel like you are able to be kind of exempt from all of the expectations once people realize that you know you're not gonna fuck them it's you're able to have these beautiful deep friendships in a safe way because there's no like is it going to happen are we into each other or do people just not really take the asexuality thing seriously and they're like still assuming that maybe you're going to change change your mind <laughs> hey babe town so sorry to interrupt but i simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk, and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive content unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now back to the episode. Um, So that is so dependent on the person and there's a lot of just assuming that I'll change my mind. Um. And when it comes to that, it's kind of a case of, well, I can only show up and be as honest as I can be. And if they don't take it on board, it's like, well, we'll just continue down this road and eventually you'll just take this relationship for what it is or we'll like disconnect and stop being friends. Mm-hmm. And, but that's like, that's happened and that's also not happened. And I think at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to, when two people meet and they have a great connection, it's very easy to fall into that, like that story you were saying, where you're like, the next natural progression is to go into a relationship. And I found myself thinking that a lot when I was discovering my sexuality. I was like, okay, well, I'm really connecting with this person. Like, when am I going to fall in love? When when is that (laughs) going to happen? And that was something that I had to like really come to terms with where I was like, oh, actually, I can't just fake my way into loving this person. Like I can't fake my way into Mm. feeling attracted to them. Mm. Um, And I think it's it took me years and years to remove that narrative from my brain Mm. and not try to follow the fairy tale love story that we've all been told our entire lives. 
And that's something that I've worked really hard to be able to recognize my own feelings and tell my own story. The majority of people don't have several years of writing their own story because the narrative fits them. And they are looking for the fairy tale at the end of the day. So it kind of comes to a place of if I'm really connecting with someone, we're having great conversation and I've learned to tell my own story, but someone else is looking for the love story. It comes to how well can we bridge those two stories together mm-hmm. and like how much can I be listened to? How much can I listen to them? And it does require, I think, a lot more time and involvement than a regular friendship if you're going to toe the line between a like super loving intimate friendship like Hannah and I have which is like definitely romantic to the view of someone from the outside (laughs) world who just like these two love each other so much Um, (laughs) but like we're we're not in a romantic relationship (laughs) on the outside we're just like two awesome people Um, and I've ended up creating a lot of friendships like that that are probably from the outside look like there's a lot more going on but in reality we're just meeting each other where we're at Mm. and have like just a friendship on steroids (laughs) 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 it's like it's so it's such a shame that people uh, people uh they don't like things that are out of the ordinary or unusual or, or challenge their kind of perception or expectations. Like I I have a lot of, like my friendships are the most important thing to me ever and I've never been someone that, you know, I, I hate it. I actually hate it. It's such a bugbear of mine when someone, you're like really tight, great friends, and then they get into a fucking relationship and they're off the map. You don't see them for a few years. And then they come crawling back when they've broken up with their partner and they've got no <laughs> fucking community left around them. And it's like, bitch. Like that is on you. Like you were a crap friend. No sympathy from me because I don't do that. Like I don't abandon my friendships. Like they're so important to me and and they're important to the primary romantic relationship as well. So um, that's, yeah, that's, that's another thing though. But my friendships have always been, um, you know, like challenging to a lot of people and unconventional. Like I you know, I will have baths with my friends and we will give massages to one another and we're very affectionate, we're very touchy, we're happy being naked around one another. We it's quite intimate. It's it sounds like a similar thing. Like from the outside, mm. that seems really romantic or it seems sexual. Mm. And people are gonna read mm. more into that. And like, you know, often <laughs> like it makes me think of um if anyone has, if anyone's been been around since my shit trade for shit massage days, when I had this piss take Instagram account and I did the Pan Foot Chronicles, which is where I had this epic bathtub in this rental I was in, and I'd just have mates over all through winter. Out, we would have a catch up in the bath, and I would get them to like take little videos of them playing Pan Flute to like songs on my toes because my toes kind of look a little bit like a pan flute and I called it pan flute. Anyway, silly. Um, and there's probably like 20 or 30 of these videos with like all different friends. And like, I remember my mum being like, cause I had a, a partner at the time and we were in an open relationship, so it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But mum was like, so what does, uh, what does Max think of, of all of these 
boys in your bathtub with you, you know. <laughs> and, like, I'm sure, I'm sure she and probably everyone else that followed me thought that I was fucking all of these people because they were in the bath with me. We were naked. Like, what what else would have been going on? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm all about challenging the norms and, and like, the sort of, like, I don't know, uh, boundaries or not boundaries, the – we put we put relation or friendships or connections or relationships in this like box and anything outside of that is like weird or not okay and I totally I'm trying to buck the system when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, I just sounds wanna... like you're doing it right. Um, <laughs> like break the system. <laughs> yeah, totally. <clears throat> I wanted to pick up on something else that you said, Neve, because mm. um, you kind of got me thinking. By the way. It's super like frustrates me that you would say to someone like, I'm, you know, I'm asexual, aromantic, like this is, you know, this isn't going to turn into anything else that people would kind of think you would change your mind like that, that to me is just mind blowing. Because like you said, you've spent several years really thinking about this. How many people can say they've spent several years thinking about their sexuality? Probably not a lot of people. Maybe Freya, maybe me. You you two are probably like (laughs) some of the only people, really. Um, And it really reminded me. I was wondering if it's sort of similar to when you have, you know, like two women who are like in a lesbian relationship and straight guys will be like, hell yeah, like I want to get in there. And it's like okay, you're, you're making, you're like fundamentally misunderstanding this. Or it's like, you know, when, when you're just sort of like out in public and you get catcalled, it's like people kind of inserting themselves or like assuming that like your sexuality or your like whatever is like for them. Like it really reminds me of that sense of like entitlement or like this Mm. weird sort of sense of, yeah, I guess entitlement over someone else and their sexuality. And like, that really frustrates me. So I can't imagine how much that frustrates you. Well, you know, it's interesting because Freya, you started this talking about how people pity me because I'm not getting to experience sexuality in a way that like, they find really important. When someone like you were describing, Hannah, comes to me and they can't even comprehend the fact that I could be happy without like sex in my life it's kind of something that I will pity them for not having the Mm. self-awareness to realize that they can be fulfilled by themselves or Mm. they can like they could create a life without like depending on another person to fulfill their sexual needs that it does kind of make me think look maybe maybe you can experience and get a whole bunch of fun from orgasming that I'm not likely to do with another person but at least I know myself and I'm not dependent on like getting my needs met by somebody else and I've got a much better awareness of the different complexities of how people live their lives Mm. and that has come through like bucking the system it's come through getting to know myself on a level that these people are never going to get to because if they're not willing to listen to me Mm. and Mm. consider that someone could have a different experience of life to them like they're not going to listen to themselves they're not going to get to know Mm. what's really at the core of why they feel so connected to their sexuality why it's so important to them Mm. Mm. now that's a really wise thing to say (laughs) 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 thank you thank you (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Totally. It's so true. It's so true. Like I feel like an addict half the time, like especially back in the day. I mean, I'm in a happy relationship now, so I don't have to like actually face my addiction to love. But like <laughs> love and sex addiction, I mean, I've never been addicted to sex. I have like incredibly low libido and it's not it's not important to me for the reasons <laughs> it's important to a lot of people. Like I don't get horny. I just love connection. I'm more of a love addict. Um, and for someone who like educates and coaches on sex, like people are always shocked, you know, at how like <laughs> I don't really like I don't care that much about sex. I care. I care about having quality sex but uh, and helping other people have quality sex. But it's not like the be all and end all. And like my partner and I will often quite happily go ages, just forget to have sex. (laughs) Um, But like, I've always seen uh, my, uh, I've seen it as almost a bit of a dependence, like my reliance on romantic connections with like intimate partners and like love and the validation from that. And the like, you know, having, having this like one like partner in crime, that's like my ride or die. Like I definitely feel more vulnerable and less complete because I feel like, I don't feel like I need it. Like if I didn't have it, I'd be okay. But because like the options there to have it, like when I wasn't partnered, I would always be seeking. I would always be preoccupied. I would always be like, oh, but it's missing. And I feel like if I was asexual, fuck, that'd be so nice and simple. I just wouldn't even have to waste any energy or headspace on that. I could just get on with living my life for me, you know. But like, it's actually a bit of an, bit of a bit of a, a hindrance to have to constantly like factor in, <laughs> you know, this this other half or or whatever crap language you know you want to use to describe it, but. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I love, I love, you know, my reality and I, I love, I do love sex and I love my relationship, but my God, it causes a lot of anguish and complication and inner conflict and yearning when you don't have it. And like, honestly, the amount, like when I was single, I was just like far out, like the amount of energy and headspace I spend on this, like if I just, if I was able to unhook from that and just like sidestep all that and focus on me and my career and my friendships and like leading a life that was authentic and and rewarding to me without that preoccupation, I would be so much better off. But I just was never able to completely set aside that preoccupation. And I know most people can't, you know, it's like this, it's like an addiction, you know, it's a, it's a, big drive to like find that person or find sex or you know so super interesting thinking what life would be like without that and it sounds dope (laughs) (laughs) right you've actually hit on another assumption there that a lot of people come up with which is the assumption that life is easier without the addiction to sex or the drive to find that partner Like, I don't think my Mm. life is any easier or less complicated or my relationships are less complicated just because there's not a sexual element. Mm. Um, And I probably struggle just as much as you with my career and my friendships and all of these things. Mm. It's, Mm. I don't think it is any easier without that element. It's just that I have probably more preoccupation with other things. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. So like what do you, so this is just for my own curiosity now because mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, okay, but like what about 
heartbreak do you feel that when like a friendship doesn't kind of go to plan or like like do you know what I mean oh that, I feel like that I've is like definitely a- had my heart broken like I have yeah. 100% had my heart broken a couple times before and I don't think mm. it's any less because mm. it wasn't from a sexual relationship mm. yeah that's mm. a really good point yeah <clears throat> mm. yeah cool so nice to just hear about this and like have someone to you know, ask the dumb questions and have the assumptions. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. And um, something that just popped into my head that's like a, a bit of a sidestep but something mm. I've um, heard people talk about is like do people take issue with it when you like or do they question your asexuality when you put effort into your appearance or when you're like because I know like Yasmin Benoit talks about like well I you know she likes to dress in a certain way make herself look nice like you know express herself but then people are like oh well like obviously like making yourself look like quote unquote sexy like it's all got to be for the benefit of like the male gaze or you know to attract a suitor or to like look attractive to other people so like are you even asexual like do people kind of get their knickers in a knot about that and and like find find themselves a bit confused if you I don't know if you do like you know like to dress up or put effort into your appearance or like how what your relationship to that is but like I'd love to chat a bit about that yeah absolutely I love to get dressed up I love to look really cool um (laughs) and I think it is something that people people really struggle with the fact that I could get dressed up and look like look completely sexy and not be looking for a sexual partner mm. it's just this assumption like you said at the beginning where it's kind of like oh well you look like this and you're making me feel this way therefore it's kind of a waste that mm. you're not interested mm. but it's entirely someone else's point of view being projected onto me and then when I'm not able to or willing to like give them exactly what they want it's like oh well you've kind of been lying to me because you're dressed real nice and it's like, no, I dress, I dress for myself, not for anybody else. Mm, and yeah. I think a lot of us like go through that process of like trying to make ourselves look more attractive to other people. And then as you grow up and you get to know your own style, you start to dress for yourself and you reach mm. a point where you're like, I'm actually dressing because I think I look right, like completely mm. awesome right now. And <laughs> once you hit that level of self-expression, I think you once you're expressing at that level, everyone's going to look at you and think you look cool because in your brain yeah. you're going, I look amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I love the strength of that. Yes, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally yeah, right. Magnetic. You're totally right yeah. because what you're hitting on is like people find confidence and charisma really sexy, right? And so mm-hmm. it's not that they're fine, like they're not looking at you and saying, oh, well, this person's exuding so much like pure sexuality that I can't understand how they're asexual. It's, it's not, that's not what it is, right? What you're describing is you're being really confident and charismatic in your self expression and people are drawn to that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. and just because a lot of people would default to a sexual lens that's where it kind of becomes complex Mm. because they're thinking and society has it set up like this as well where if you dress nice it's to attract a partner yeah Yeah. whereas if most of us like 
reached a point where we were confident enough to dress entirely for ourselves. And if we're attracted to other people, fantastic. If you're hitting like that confidence that you were talking about, Hannah, you probably are going to be attractive to a lot of people because you're feeling you're at your best. Mm. Um, mm. One instance that this really comes up is I love to dance and I got really into salsa dancing last year, which is like, that is a really sexual, sensual kind of dance. You're up close, you look really sexy when you're doing this. Mm. And it's a very intimate thing to be doing with a bunch of strangers often if you're in a social and there's a lot of connection there and I think a lot of people on the outside could look at me dancing and think like there's no way that they could be sexual like look look at what they're doing with this other human being up close but it's just the enjoyment of like the the dance the intimacy and the music and Mm. if you're dressed up it's the same kind of thing where you're enjoying just being in your body and mm. like expressing yeah. aspects of who you are. Yeah. And that does not mm. need to be connected to yeah. sex. Cause I mean, I think once like it's, it's, if you're feeling comfortable in your body, if you're embodying it in, in a really empowered way, if you are charismatic, if you're just owning it, you know, that is attractive and magnetic to other people. And like the physical element of like, you know, being really embodied when you're dancing and expressing yourself. Like there's nothing hotter than that. And it is, it is like a, it is like an expression of kind of sensuality, which I I just find is like having fun in your body and inhabiting Mm. your body fully. And I feel like the dangerous thing is when people see that and, and they can't possibly get their, like wrap their head around the fact that that could just be, just for you just you enjoying your body you enjoying movement you enjoying like when I dance there's all different roles and all different um I guess characters or like facets of my personality and my essence that get expressed and like you know some of them are really sensual or some of them are cheeky some of them are playful um and I think it's like people might just assume that if you're asexual like you you just can't do anything remotely sensual or or that looks Mm. sexy because that just just doesn't compute and like I hate that there is this like just going back to you know dressing for yourself and looking cool feeling cool that being magnetic that attracting people like you know there's this really dangerous kind of corner of I don't know yeah it's entitlement it's like people think that I guess it's a, it's a similar thing to like you know um, victims of sexual assault where the, the, there's people saying oh well they shouldn't have been dressed so provocatively mm. um, they kind of brought that on themselves like they were asking for it it's like on a way uh, more subtle scale people being like oh what do you mean you're asexual and you don't want to fuck like how dare you dress in a way that looks so attractive then or like how dare you emanate this like confidence and magnetism um (laughs) that is is so attractive and sexy to people because it's so rare to be that self-assured and empowered and inhabit yourself so fully um they they kind of can't understand that like you can you can be you can be doing that, but they can't have it (laughs) or it's not, it's not for, for, it's not on offer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you reminded me of something else there, Freya, like the word sensual has been getting thrown around a lot. Right. And I feel like this is really interesting because 
often you hear the word sensual right next to the word sexual, like we're conflating them, but they're actually different, right? Like you have sexuality and you have sensuality and sensuality is about being in the present moment, being embodied, experiencing your senses. And I think mm-hmm. the, tr- the trouble is maybe most people actually don't have many moments of being really embodied in the sensations and the pleasure in their body, right? They think, okay, when I'm doing that, I'm having sex because lots of people do have embodied experiences in, you know, experiencing their pleasure when they're having sex. But Neve, I would say you're someone who actually is really embodied a lot of the time. And it's something that I really love about you. You know, like when we go for a walk, you'll like find something cool to touch and you'll really be in there kind of experiencing it. And that's actually a really sensual experience, right? Like closing your eyes and going like, "Mm," and like feeling the moss. Like that's something that you and I love to do. It's like touching moss. Um, Not sexual at all, right? Like not sexual at all, but it's that same thing of really inhabiting your body and inhabiting that sensual space. I think that lots of people who are sexual don't understand that embodied sort of sensation as separate from sex, which is kind of interesting. Cause again, this feels like another thing that maybe you, you're actually doing that lots of people are kind of missing out on. Yeah, I think so. Because I would consider myself a really sensual person. Mm. Like I, I feel like I connect to all of my senses pretty well, whether that be touch, whether that be smell or sight is a big one. I can see beauty in the smallest of things Mm. and I like actively go out and seek it because I've practiced to hardwire my brain towards like finding the everyday beauties and I think a lot of a lot of sensuality a lot of our senses the things that are given to us all the time people take for granted like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of sensuality available to every person in their own body, in their own experience of the world. And absolutely, yes, a shared experience can be wonderful. Like I, I'm very intimate with my friends. I'll like give hugs, we'll have cuddles. Like there's, there's a lot that I'm very comfortable with doing. Like I would easily hop in a bath with a friend of mine and just like enjoy the whole sensation of it because it's intimacy forming as well. And I think a lot of people have this idea that like sex, sensuality and intimacy are all things that can only be given by mm. their partner. Yeah. Whereas all mm-hmm. of those things are available to every single one of us in a myriad of ways that often are overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're really right there. I think when people perhaps fail to understand your perspective, it's not necessarily uh you know, asexuality in itself that they're, that they're sort of having issue with. I think they're maybe looking at their experience and saying, well, if I didn't have a romantic and sexual partner, I wouldn't have sensuality. I wouldn't have intimacy. I wouldn't have romance. I wouldn't have any close physical connection with anyone in my life. And if you start taking all those things away, well, your life's going to start to look pretty empty. And so I feel Mm -hmm. like maybe that's why people get really confused because they think like Mm -hmm. if that one relationship satisfies all of those needs, Without that relationship, you're right. Your life is going to be empty and people should pity you. But here you are and you're still doing all those things just in different ways through dance, through your friendships, through embodiment. And I think that that's maybe what's at the core here is like a fundamental misunderstanding and thinking that you're not having these human experiences, which you are. They're just, you know, outside of that one 
sexual romantic relationship that most people sort of have. Oh, nailed it. Yeah, completely nailed it, Hannah. That is, that is it. <laughs> Just trying to articulate something so perfectly that we've been trying to, you know, dial in. <laughs> So just before we wrap up, Neve, is there anything, because I kind of put words in your mouth and right from the top I was like, right, well, these are the things that I reckon probably get sand in your clam. <laughs> is there anything that you, you know, come up against really regularly uh, that gets, you know, that we haven't covered that you want to chat about just to spread awareness so that people who listen to this might just have a better understanding about how to treat people when they meet someone who's asexual or aromantic? Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs. Yep, you heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte, because I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. (laughs) You can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned, And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. Um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. Yeah, I think I think you, most things you said were really accurate. Like I said, I was holding myself back from rolling my eyes and I was like, oh, these things really do annoy me. Um, I think the, a huge thing is that people just let their own assumptions run wild once they hear asexually romantic. They think they know what it is and even... I find a lot of people don't actually listen when you try to describe your experience mm. because it's like, oh, well, my sexuality, my romantic relationships are so important to me. Mm. Life, I can't imagine life without them. And they mm. don't remove that barrier of like, oh, well, this is so important to me. I can't imagine it being any other way. I think mm. if you come across someone who is asexually romantic, just actually listen to them. Take the time to take a breath be like this is brand new to me and I don't know anything about it actually just listen and there'll be a lot more similarities than Mm -hmm. most people can would assume or think there is at first glance Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. like Hannah really well said we're all just experiencing those core parts of human existence and like my life is not lacking any of those things Mm. and I think Mm. if people have the time to actually put their assumptions aside and realize that there are different ways to fulfill the human experience it wouldn't be so confusing and complex Mm. yeah awesome yep 
shut the fuck up, everyone, and just listen for once and put your assumptions aside and just have an open mind. Just yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just just listen. Don't assume. Which yeah. I think can be applied to every time you meet someone who's got an experience yeah. different to yours. Totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, we just so automatically want to categorize and and make assumptions and judgments because it's you know it's ingrained it's inbuilt it's a mm-hmm. bit of a survival thing you know needing to categorize something in order to understand it um but what we actually do when we categorize something is we miss an opportunity to understand it more deeply because we're just chucking it into a category that already exists through our own lens and doesn't mm-hmm. take into account that there might be a whole other category that we haven't thought about yet and that we can't possibly understand from our own experience unless we start fucking listening to people. So, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for your time. and for Can this I just say one more thing? Chat. <laughs> Which course. is remove the, the pity elements. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if, for anyone listening to this, if you hear that anyone is asexually romantic or has any sort of relationship style that doesn't fit them, fit your like your ideal one take a moment to just think it's not my experience and Mm. they don't really need my pity Mm. so yeah Yeah. stop pitying people for having an experience different to your own Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. nice and that is all i have to say (laughs) (laughs) well that's a wrap thank you so much (laughs) okay thank you And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.